this is episode 41. We're gonna have some fun, fun, fun. So hang tight, let's do this. Episode 41! This is Yellow Packaging, episode 41. Uh, we have a very special guest today, so stay tuned for that. Um, you can rate and review us on iTunes. That'd be great. Five stars only, please. Uh, follow <laughs> us on Instagram at yellowpackaging604. Um, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple, wherever, whenever. You're listening to Yellow Packaging by Jesslyn and Colton. For two Asians born and raised in Vancouver, living our lives through the perspective of a growing minority. Our podcast is about nothing, about something, and about everything. We talk about issues going on in our lives, our city, and how that relates back to our place in a Western society. So sit back, listen up, and get a new view on what it's like. And get a new view on what it's like to live in Vancouver. To live in Vancouver. Hello, hello. How's it going? Yeah, it's going. You know, it's (laughs) episode 41. We did it. Okay. Um, So yeah, this is episode 41. We have a very special guest. Um, This guest was recommended to us by Jess. Um, Jess, do you want to take Intro, my best friend. Yeah, she's executive chef of Besso. Yeah, so it's not something I do is like Google Emily, but like the third Google phrase you know how they give you suggestions it was emily you and chef and then i was like oh i'm gonna write something and then i found one that is perfect so she's executive chef at beso a restaurant in noho serving japanese comfort food um, that opened in 2016 blah 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 she brings together cooking skills she developed in her hometown of vancouver um, with years of training at some of the world's most best fine dining establishment including Bulad's, maybe I'm going to butcher some of the names, but Bulad said, La Baludsud. Baludsud. La Gavroche in London. I said that right, right? And the Vu de Monde in Australia. This is my favorite part, though. Yuen's ability to straddle the line between fine dining and home cooking has gained critical attention, recently being named by elite traveler Zagat and the Tasting Table as a rising star chef. And she's funny. Wow. 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 Hello. Oh, yeah. And Emily. (laughs) She's a special guest. Hello. Exciting. Thank you for being our guest on episode 41 of Yellow Packaging. Me. This is so exciting. I've, I'm a longtime listener from the very beginning. <laughs> Yay. Fan. And That's I'm awesome. really, really excited to be on. Thank you. And just to clarify, where are you joining us from? Oh, I'm joining you from New York, New York. So I've wow. been here for six years now. That's crazy. The Big Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The what the the hotspot of coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> New York's so, known for so many things. <laughs> yeah, but right now it's known for coronavirus at the moment. <laughs> no, no, no. Obviously, like the concentration of people and the high population makes it like a perfect spot for that kind of situation. How are you doing in New York right now? Like, what's like, let's just jump right into it. What is life like in New York at this very moment? Um, I mean, it's pretty grim, I would say. I think, like, it's hard for most people to have their kind of, like, spring and summer is kind of, like, ruined and, like, many people's vacations, I mean, as, like, it is around the world. Um, I mean, it's pretty scary, like, in the beginning of um, the coronavirus, like, uh, pandemic, you know, you you drive by hospitals and they're like lines and lines and like you watch the news and it's very real. I mean, like um, the morgues are like filled up. You hear like personally, I know people who's like, you know, friends, um, you know, grandfathers have died. I know like, like my friend like walked out the door one day and saw a body bag with like an ambulance in it. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, not, not the ambulance in the body bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild over there <laughs> it's crazy times that's new york for you i've seen it all <laughs> yeah. um 
I personally That's crazy. Yeah, like I personally did get the coronavirus. I was like, you know, pretty lucky. I didn't have a fever or anything. Um, but I did get like antibodies tested um, and that my antibodies came back positive. So I did um, get it. I don't know how, but I think like half of New York probably got it and not knowing that they did. So what so, symptoms did you have yeah. then? What are the symptoms? Um, I did not have a fever at all, but uh, the biggest symptom I had was I lost my taste uh, and smell for about five days. Oh my God. Yeah, so like everything tasted like nothing. It's nothing. And being a chef, that must have been really terrifying <laughs> for you. Well, I was quarantined at home, so like, oh, okay. I mean, it was okay. I didn't think it was going to last forever. It would, I mean, like, yeah, but you would eat like a pickle and it would taste like nothing or like spicy stuff and then like would, wouldn't taste like anything. Um, so if you had to like think about it, do you have any idea of where you may have contracted it from? I think so. I mean, like uh, during the last few days of my work, um, there was, we have two locations. So there is this one place, which is more of a market. Um, it's pretty transient. So there's a lot of like foreigners coming through. Um, and that during that time, people were not wearing masks yet. So I mean, very few people wear masks. Now, like I think 65% or more New York, of New Yorkers wear masks outside. Right. Inside. Um, I mean, not in their homes, but like if they go inside like a store or something like that. Uh, so I think it was from there that it was like, it was pretty like transient place. A lot of foreigners coming through. Um, not to blame, not to blame the coronavirus. No, 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 no. Um, I think it's just like, yeah, a very transient place. And like knowing that it's airborne, I think it was, it's very um, likely that I got it from there. But you're in the kitchen though, right? Yeah, but it is like open kitchen. That's crazy. Like, it's like for me, my perspective of it was like, if it's open and there's enough, if you're in a big room, you probably won't catch it. But to hear that you're in the kitchen and like the possibility of it being from like a transient yeah. person, like a customer, is it, it kind of makes it a bit more real. You know yeah. what I mean? That you don't have to be in like less than two meters apart to catch it right but yeah but who knows like there are so many like asymptomatic symptomatic people who like yeah right um, i get it you don't even know like who you got it from so it's pretty scary i mean luckily like um i didn't like have like didn't have a really bad experience with it but like my friend i know was in bed for like almost two weeks like she just slept for 24 hours i think a day for like two weeks and she had like fever and um it was pretty hard for her. Luckily, she didn't have to go through, like, to the ICU or anything like that. But, I mean, we knew, like, a lot of people who, like, did get it and get, like, fever and was out for a few weeks. So it, it's pretty much like a flu almost in terms of the lifespan of it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the flu, I don't, I think a flu, I don't know how long a flu normally lasts for. Yeah, usually, like, a flu for me can last, like, a couple to, like, a few weeks, depending on how severe it is. But yeah. That, yeah. that's crazy. Um, so, like, are you corona free right now or is it still in you um i got my antibody test probably like about three weeks ago and it was still in me but right. um, they say that it doesn't last forever so i have no idea like yeah you, know, you start I, hearing about people getting it again exactly um but i mean i think after you know like april and like all the deaths and you know cases in new york have definitely like made people wear masks more so i think like now compared to back then um it's a little bit more under control i would say i think like california is like spiking right now again so they have to like mm -hmm. i think just today i saw the news that they um have to close all the bars again yeah they're yeah. they're back on lockdown again i heard yeah i mean i think we're i mean america's heading towards lockdown personally like the whole yeah i don't know if everybody's gonna take it seriously though it sounds like people are still quite adamant about living and enjoying their summer <laughs> regardless of <laughs> a coronavirus or not or their freedom their constitutional yeah. rights oh i know it's like kind of crazy i don't think americans are quite disciplined <laughs> yeah what are your news sources that you're using to like just see the state of the state um i just watch like i think i watch cnn a lot mm -hmm. um but i mean like just things like here and there on the internet yeah yeah do you, are you like constantly okay. watching and monitoring the news nonstop or do you allow yourself like certain times of the day to, to um, stress out about it? 
I think I, I did watch it a lot in the very beginning when we like were on lockdown, but it just gets to be too much. And I think like everyone else in New York, I think everyone kind of shut it off for a while because it's like, it's just too much. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's yeah. everywhere you look and everywhere you like listen in terms of media, it's that's what it's all about now. If it's not, if it's not about coronavirus, it's about the Black Lives Matter movement. It's, it's just like very... And I grim. feel bad for saying this. Yeah, grim, but it, it yeah, and overwhelming. And it's hard to not let that stuff get to you for sure. Yeah. Is New York in phase three or are they only in phase two? Um, we're in phase three, but there's like a lot of some things that are still not allowed. Like indoor dining is not allowed. Mm. Right now. Oh. Um, so, but in uh, phase three, like certain things are allowed to open like clothing stores. So like you can go to clothing stores, but you can't dine in a restaurant right now. That's that's interesting because are Jess, are we in phase three or phase four? No, we're still we're like going into phase three. I think clubs are open now. Some clubs, oh, they are. yeah. Because um, I have a friend whose husband he like throws parties, I guess, and uh, he hosts tonight, and they're like just little sections it's just basically another place you can drink right no one's dancing you stick to the people you came with and then that's that's how, that's how it's supposed to be but who knows i saw photos of people just like piled up in a restaurant pretty much making out with each other <laughs> that's so, crazy corona corona it seems yeah. like our phase three is different from New York's yeah. phase three. Then. I was going to say, like, even um, my friend who I was talking to in, like, Nevada, his, like, their phase three is different from New York's phase three. So each, like, state is different. Right. So. I mean, that's um, the problem right now. It's like there's yeah. no regulations. So as a chef, are you still working then? Or what is your current situation? Um, I am still working. Um, we were doing a lot of, uh, luckily through a couple charities, they uh, mm -hmm. were able to kind of donate to us. And we were able to um, have the money to kind of feed a lot of uh, frontline workers. Right. Oh, that's, great. that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like it gives us something to do. It helps like sustain the restaurant. Um I mean, like, yeah, it helps, like, pay part of the bills. Um, but now that's, like, kind of the ending, and we're just doing uh, takeout and delivery. And how is that side of the business doing? Like, are a lot of people doing it's takeout and delivery not, right now? It's, I mean, we're not made for, you know, like, delivery takeout. So it's not, like, you know, not the same as before as, like, you know, you we don't generate the same revenue as um, what you would as, like, in it with like indoor dining at all. Yeah. So yeah, that that's must be pretty stressful. Yeah, that is pretty stressful. I think like a lot of restaurants have permanently shut down. Um, mm -hmm. Also like the government aid has like not been great. Uh, so like, you know, I heard in the UK, like, you know, the government is like giving uh, the restaurants, like they're putting like half the bill. Right, most oh, that's of the nice. To encourage people like to dine into the restaurants um but i mean there's just not that much support here for small businesses so that's hard so plus like Besto is a special kind of like dining experience yeah i feel like you couldn't experience that same in a takeout experience exactly. you know what i mean yeah we're not like I what mean, is tell us about Besto. Um, <laughs> so Bessel, the name means like second home or holiday home or home away from home. So like you literally like, it means that you come into our home and you like, you know, spend a night with us and you like experience like the food and the hospitality and everything. And when that's like not allowed, I think it's, I mean, it's a big part of like who we are. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And what kind of food is Bessel? Uh, so we do Japanese comfort food. So we oh, kind nice. of do yeah, we do a different side of um, Japanese food. Like, we don't really do sushi or, uh, like, ramen or izakaya. So we just show a lot of um, food from, like, northern Japan that's, like, kind of modernized with the influences of New York and um, whatever's good around us <laughs> of different cultures. That sounds awesome. And Maybe one day we can go. 
Yeah, when things open up again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's safe to travel, definitely. That seems like such a foreign thing now to think that you'd be able to hop on a plane and go anywhere. I know, it's like pretty sad. So Emily, are you from uh, Vancouver or where are you from? Um, yeah, I'm from Vancouver. I was born in Vancouver, um, but I left when I was 21. Um, now I'm 34, so it's been a long time since I lived in Vancouver. Yeah. So yeah, I miss you guys. I miss Do you, you still have family here? Um, yeah, my parents are still there. My brother's in Toronto, um, but like my like couple of my close friends are still in Vancouver. So. So do you have? Do you, are your parents like super worried about your situation right now? Like, is everybody on high alert? No, they're like, oh, she's already got it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. They're they like, feel what? better. <laughs> Been there, done that, literally. Yeah, but I mean that doesn't last forever. Like the antibodies, so who knows? Yeah. And Emily, can you uh, share with us your um, your ethnicity? Are you Chinese? Are you Japanese? Are you? I am Chinese. Chinese. Were you born in Vancouver? I was. I was born in Vancouver. Uh, like like Vancouver, Vancouver, or were you born like uh, in Vancouver? No, I, <laughs> she's not like oh, I'm from South Surrey. When you're really yeah. from Surrey, no, she's from Vancouver. Yeah. Just Vancouver. Just Vancouver, not like the greater Vancouver yeah. region. Uh, so what was your experience like? I mean, I like to ask like our guests these kinds of things, but like growing up as like a first generation Chinese in Vancouver, what was your experience like? Did, do you feel like it had an impact on who you are today? Or do you feel like it's it's created a new perspective in regards to how you go about, you know, showing up in front of others? Um, I mean, I think living in America, I definitely feel like in a lot of ways, Vancouver, uh, I think we're very lucky to grow up in Vancouver because mm-hmm. um, like, you know, our high, my, I think my high school was like maybe like 70% or more Asian. Right. Um, so like, you know, I've never felt any like sort of racism yeah, or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think like still North America has a lot of um, work to do in terms of like, you know, making kind of celebrating like, you know, other cultures that immigrate here. Like yeah. I didn't have, I, I remember growing up and wanting to be white <laughs> as like silly as that sounds, but I didn't see like, I didn't have Asian, like, you know, Barbie dolls or a lot of like Asian yeah. role models that I saw on TV or actor, actors and actresses. So um, that I think is kind of a shame and that, that should change. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. And like, it's definitely with like coronavirus, I felt have like had a couple like racism, uh, like, you know, a little bit like racism, like harassments, like, you know, towards me, um, which is very weird. <laughs> Was like aggressive or like passive aggressive? Like passive aggressive. Like, with us. Um, like, you know, I mean, this was, I think, maybe a couple of years before coronavirus happened, like a couple mm-hmm. years ago. But like, you know, somebody walked by and said, oh, do you, like, you know, so does China still have their one child policy? <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> You're like, I, I, I'm a chef. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was born in Canada. So born, no idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, like, another incident that was a little bit more recent during the coronavirus, I think um, somebody came up to, like, me and my husband and said, oh, should we take the Chinese to court or should we just kill, kill them all? What? So it's, like, a little bit fucked up. That is so fucked up. That's super aggressive. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I think um, it's, I think, you know, I mean, and through like the black lives movement i think it's been kind of great because it's brought up a lot of like issues in canada as well yeah definitely i think from you know like my from america's perspective like when i talk to like my friends everyone thinks like oh canada's so great health system like your president is or sorry your prime minister is so handsome he like marches (laughs) (laughs) he marches in the you know gay pride parade and stuff like that but you know, like he was like 
part of like black like he did like a black face black yeah face. yeah and he's, he's got his not, own issues okay yeah he's not innocent definitely for sure no but he is good looking your american yeah. friends are right so handsome compared to trump definitely oh, so, so like i mean in general i think compared to trump i think like you know justin trudeau is like a freaking saint but <laughs> not i think just the perspective is very like interesting that like america you know, Americans think like Canada is like they love their prime minister and stuff like that. I'm like, actually, no, they they like don't. I mean, it's like a little divided. I don't think everyone like loves um, Justin no. Trudeau. No, I don't love him. I like yeah. him, maybe. Yeah, I don't love definitely. him. Definitely. I mean, it makes me grateful that we have him over somebody oh. like Trump, right? <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, there's when you put it in that like sense i think like yeah justin trudeau is like so much better in that way definitely but so be elections this year so yeah, yeah hopefully november yeah that should be i like i'm kind of scared for what the turnout of that's going to be because you know there's all those rumors saying that if trump loses he's gonna put up a fight yeah he's you know not gonna I mean? leave yeah <laughs> so it's just like insane to think what like what else does america have to go through that they haven't already been through now you know like with coronavirus taking over the country and then the Black Lives Matter movement. And then like, say if Trump doesn't leave, like that's going to be another huge wrench thrown into the country of drama. You know How what I mean? How do you not leave though? I don't know. Like, He's like, I, you take the West Wing, I'll take the yeah. East Wing. Or like he'll get all his gun-toning rednecks to shoot the place down yeah shoot the place down or something i don't know i we don't live there i don't yeah exactly that's what i think so but i'm curious to know yeah you'd be surprised because i i mean like i did not think he was gonna get like he was gonna win in the first in in the election four years ago it was quite the shock so yeah i just feel like you never know is your husband american or is he canadian he is american so how is he um like what is his perspective on the whole like election situation and like trump being elected like is he taking voting seriously like what is the attitude around voting this time around i mean i think everyone i mean new york is quite progressive um right i think like it's i mean in a, in a way i think like trump has kind of like stirred up a lot of young people to kind of vote and make a change yeah definitely so, so I think that's like one positive that has come out of it. Like I think um, people are like really prompt to like make a change. So like I think so many more young people are going out to vote as opposed to before. Right. They have. Agree. They care. <laughs> yeah, especially in this day and time, it's so important, and they're actually exactly. seeing the importance of it for sure. I, mean, I definitely think like people were a little bit more laid back because no one thought like you know Trump was going to win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely. Kind of I hear you. Yeah. Okay, so I know we're on a limited amount of time. So I just have one question. And then Jess, maybe you can kind of um, fire off any other questions that you have. Um, yeah. So my question was, okay, being a female mm-hmm. born in Canada of Chinese descent, mm-hmm. and then also in an industry that's mostly male dominated, and can be quite... Um, can be known for its toxic masculinity as well. And ha- you having worked in, in London and, and now in New York, do you feel like you're, because of who you are, that's you've been discriminated against or you've had to struggle or work extra hard just to just make your claim to fame in a sense? Um, I'm definitely not uh, famous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Google said you know. are. You're like the yeah. hit. Exactly. Um, <laughs> don't be modest <laughs> I'm not you're a big deal okay <laughs> um i definitely feel like i've had to fight harder um i do think like opportunities that were given to people that were like white males you know did you know like that were like so easily that were not qualified you know did not get uh like uh offered to me Mm-hmm. Um, or like, you know, other female chefs that I've seen. I mean, there is like just so little, you know, female chefs kind of in the industry that it's like hard. Um, yeah. But I do think, you know, like women don't, like, women in our industry kind of get, um, like they kind of get overseen and not taken seriously. 
you know, from jokes to kind of, you know, like positions and like, so it's, it is like harder, I think, for a woman to be at the top in my industry. So you um, definitely felt that. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, it's, it's not like a secret. I think like, definitely like, um, like felt that, that I was qualified for a certain like positions and it was never offered to me. But I'm, I've also had very supportive like male chefs who have like promoted me and believed in me and like, you know, pushed me um, into positions and like, so yeah. That's a good silver lining to hear for sure. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like, sorry, the last question, last question, yeah. absolute last question. Um, do you absolutely. feel like because um, of your Chinese oriental descent that you like, because you're working in at Beso, which is Japanese comfort food, do you feel like you're being pigeonholed into a type of cuisine because of your color of your skin? Um, not at all. I think like um, I chose to work in Asian cuisine. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, together with the owner, uh, Michael, she's very, like, she's another Asian woman as well. And I think we um, are not very, like, you know, we chose, you know, to to cook Japanese food. Um, and we cook, chose not to cook, like, traditional Japanese food. So right. we're able to kind of, you know, leave it up to our interpretation in a way within, yeah. um, within like, the theme of the restaurant. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I think like coming to New York, um, especially like seeing so many like uh, Asian chefs, I think it's been great and a great like exposure as well, because, you know, you um, it kind of brings me back to my heritage. And like, you know, I worked in French food for like many years up until now. And I think it's made me kind of more like a lot more proud of like who I am and cooking Asian food and going back to kind of my roots. Yeah. Well, so I think it's very important to for me to do that. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And also, like, your experience also gives you a new take and provide a new perspective on what Asian food can be like as well, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think it helps me, like, or helps us kind of relate more to people who are eating Japanese food for the first time or our food for the first time. Um, we try to kind of, um, yeah, like, introduce people to, like, this kind of new type of cuisine that we're cooking. Right. Yeah, different side of Japanese food. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. I really want to try your restaurant now. It's so uh, good. 22. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. Okay, cool. Um, Jess, do you have anything on your end that you want to? Yeah, I did. Well, you kind of touched on it because you've lived in so many different uh, countries now mm -hmm. um, in different cities. And I guess it goes back to, you know, being at the other end of, racism and discrimination is there a city that was maybe uh worse than the others because like between australia the uk and um and new york i would mm -hmm. say there's a lot of white people there singapore probably there's a different kind of racism i think you might experience there Actually, like singapore is probably more like asian racism <laughs> <laughs> like people don't like people from China. <laughs> yeah, I from, can like, see that for China. sure. Um, so they're discriminated against a little bit there. Um, but I would say the most racism I felt would be in New York. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's I've surprising, actually. I would have thought like Australian. Yeah, same. No, I like never felt any sort of racism there. And like, there was like, not that many Asians there. Um, no, I, like, yeah, like, I've never felt uncomfortable or, like, um, anything was said towards me. If like, But there's been times here where people are, like, maliciously saying things, you know, to me because of my race. So how do you respond to that? They're, like, all up in your face. Um, well, I mean, they're not all up in my face. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of the time you are shocked. So, like, yeah. I... Like when it had when it happened to me, I like can barely process what happened, and like the moment has passed. So I feel like I'm left with feelings of like anger, like regret of like not saying something, not standing up for myself. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, like sadness, but like you just like the moments like kind of happen so fast, you don't even know what to do. Yeah, I hear you. And I think the I best to kind of like talk about it. Um, 
to, with like your other friends because then they are probably you know especially like people of color that they're probably going through the same thing so so when someone yelled some racist shit at me i also know what you felt like you're kind of stunned and then five minutes have passed and you're like well who do i tell this to yeah, yeah. what hotline do i call there's no hotline no and then so you're just I like ah oh, fuck people are shitty yeah. And then you're like, oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. <laughs> oh, damn it. You know, it's like, then you think of all the comebacks that you should have thought of saying. <laughs> exactly. Like, like, oh, the next person, he's going to get everything from that last person. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't even like, I mean, you can barely like process like, did he just, or she just say that to me? Like, I yeah. like, I'm like, I, had, I still like, wouldn't even like, yeah, be able to process it at the, during the time. So at this very moment, are you on high alert every time you're out and about? No, no, I feel very safe. Okay. That's what's most <laughs> so do you I have mean... a lot of disses in your back pocket now? Like, <laughs> you're a mom. That's <laughs> <laughs> what your mom said last night. <laughs> I mean, I think I can't live life like that. Just three back there. That's why you save it on your phone. And then you'd be like, hold on one moment. Let me get my phone. <laughs> Let me bring up my notes. Sorry, what do I say when someone's being a jackass? <laughs> Your mom. Your mom. <laughs> no, definitely. It's uh, as long as like you feel safe still, even though you've been a victim of like blatant racism. Mm -hmm. I think like learning how to cope with it and not let it ruin your quality of life. I think that's very important. Yeah, I mean, I think especially with like, you know, the protests, which are still going on in New York. Um, good. Yeah, the protests are still going on in New York. I think there is like a lot of people who are taking matters in their own hands. Right. So I like I think people are a little bit more afraid to kind of like speak out um, how they feel if they are racist. Mm -hmm. um, but on the I mean, on, on the opposite end, like my husband has gotten like white racism, if that makes sense. I get it. Like someone, he was just walking by a protest and like another white girl came up to him and said, oh, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, what? <laughs> like, I'm oh just trying God. to eat a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, no, that's not the way to go about it either. It's like, no, no definitely like, not. <laughs> that's hilarious. did he just start laughing it's like i have no idea what you're talking about right now yeah. he's like you're white too <laughs> yeah exactly it's that it's that white guilt that's definitely showing through in those <laughs> for sure but i think some people are doing it right um you know like peaceful protests but some people are just like taking it to extreme like looting and rioting and you know like you don't attack <laughs> every white person no <laughs> doubt <laughs> yeah that's definitely definitely on the extreme end for sure yeah. and she's probably just trying to make up for her own shortcomings by exactly. taking on other people for sure <laughs> <laughs> you my brother i'm ashamed exactly. of you yeah all right cool um do you have time to go over maybe a topic or do we should we yeah let's go over a topic Okay. Because um, it's Jess, like eight thirty your time. You go to bed what nine o'clock over there? No, <laughs> <laughs> like one a.m. <laughs> okay, just checking. <laughs> I have Indian food waiting for me. So okay, let's 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 quickly just bang out a couple topics. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so um, you know how, oh, Emily's number one fan. She knows how we do this. Yeah. My number so one. Why don't you start it, Jess? Okay, so um, one was um, homelessness. So I wanted to also talk to you about that in your city because here they had, um, it's Oppenheimer Park and it was in a, what they call tent city. So back in May, 2000, back in May of this year, they had dismantled the park and the city without telling other residents in downtown had purchased two hotels. One's the Howard Johnson in Granville and the other one's um, Buchan Hotel in on Harrow, so in the West End. 
So they dismantled them and then they started housing them. So what's happened now is sure they have a home, like they've got a roof over their head, but now they're like doing all their tent city shit like in Yale town or in the Mm -hmm. West end. So now Yale town residents are pissed because they're finding like discarded needles in the parks. Uh, There's open drug use in the parks. They're finding human feces at these parks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And BC housing says it'll get worse before it gets better. So there's a park like that park is um, Emory Barnes park and that's on um, Seymour and Davy. We've been to it a few times, but even before like they dismantled um, Tent City, like that was a disgusting park. Just from like, all do the you homeless. Know just... Yeah, like the homeless people, I don't know, maybe they're not homeless, but they're just like straight up drinking. Yeah, definitely. I know what you're talking about for sure. It's like, yeah, so disgusting. But it was like yeah. something the city did not talk to the people about like in those neighborhoods. Like, do you think the city knew that that was going to happen? Or do you feel like it just kind of happened and the city just wasn't prepared for that kind of... Maybe they weren't prepared. They figured they have, like, housing and they'd stay in their housing. Yeah. Because this is also to help the spread of COVID. Because, like, the tent city, they're in, like, close proximity. There wasn't stations to wash hands. Um, And now they've got access to bathrooms and a roof over their head, but they still like spill over into parks. Yeah, definitely. I think, I feel like the the situation in Vancouver, downtown Vancouver specifically, the homeless and drug addict situation is getting worse. And I think it's because they've been dismantling like the tent parks and they don't have any other place to go. So they're now spreading out over- they do have places to go. But how, how honest is that though? Like. Do, are they saying they have a room for every drug addict or every homeless person? That's well, they have at least like 300 plus rooms available yeah. between the yeah. two hotels. But I feel like there's more. I feel yeah, like it's a larger population to that. I don't know. So, like, I get I where you're coming from, for sure. There's comments like in some of the news articles and they're like, ship them back. Because obviously not all of them are from Vancouver. It's like, how could you even ship them back? Yeah, well, that's what they did when the Olympics came, right? They put all the homeless people on a bus and shipped them to, I think, was it Victoria? Or did they ship them to Edmonton? Like, Okay, put them in Edmonton. Edmonton is <laughs> shitty anyway. They won't even notice. <laughs> but do you, are you on that same, are you on the, are you of the mindset that we should just ship them out? No, I'm not. Obviously, they need to tackle like the bigger issue, which is yeah. like mental illness and addiction. Yeah, they can't just sweep it under the rug by like shipping them and putting them on a bus and shipping them out somewhere. It's just sweeping it under the rug or throwing it to somebody else to be like, here, that's your problem. Like exactly. the, root, the root of the issue is that there's no proper funding or resources available for the homeless and drug addicts to actually deal with the root of the cause, right? Oftentimes it's a lot of mental health issues. Um, drug addiction is obviously rampant downtown east side and there's not really a proper source to deal with it like if you look in europe as well the way they deal with it was by legalizing it and giving them like a safe space to do drugs mm-hmm. you know what they I mean? have safe spaces to do drugs too they've got yeah. the injection sites yeah i just feel like it's maybe we're going about it the wrong way i don't know what the solve is to be honest but i'm just thinking the way we're doing it right now is not working and it's it's creating this divide between the haves and the have-nots you know what i mean like living where I am, like I'm pretty much in the heart of it. Oh yeah, you see feces like every day. Needles and just open drug use, like it's gone to the point where I'm desensitized from it. You know what I mean? And I, I I'm disappointed in the fact that I've become desensitized by it. And you know, like it's I feel helpless. Like I don't know, I don't I know. know where to start and what I can do. Well, the city said they're just going to deploy more VPDs. Yeah, and so, I don't know what that's going to do. So nothing. exactly. I don't know how that's going to make anyone feel safer or like one yeah. kid I was reading in the article, he caught his kid almost touch it. He was about to touch a needle and the dad like jumped in. Yeah, they're like, everywhere at that park. No, it's it's and that's kind of the stuff that's creating this divide between like those like the people who are living in the area versus those who are homeless and drug addicted in the area. Um, 
yeah, it's, I, I don't know, it's a problem though, for sure. And it needs to be addressed, but how we address it and how we solve it, uh, I don't know. That's just, I don't know. I don't buy. It's kind of like almost in my neighborhood, but we don't venture there. Yeah. And I find the coronavirus has definitely like heightened it by a lot more because of the fact that there aren't really spaces for them to go to now. Yeah, that's true. And there's not very many spaces for us. Like a lot of us live in apartments, not like we have a big backyard yeah, where we can, definitely. you know, run around in. So Emily, when you, when you were in Vancouver, did you ever notice this issue or was it, was it something that you weren't really exposed to a lot of when you were in Vancouver? Um, I definitely noticed the issue. I did like volunteer at a homeless shelter, um, serving food for right. a lot of um, drug addicts. Um, but I mean, like, I can't really say like how it's like grown or, you know, compared yeah. to back then when I was like a teenager. Mm-hmm. Doing that. Um, do you guys feel like, you know, they just turn a blind eye to it now and like they don't really like care um, or you think they're not doing enough about it or like, I mean, compared, I would say like compared to say like America, yeah, um, like there's like so much more support like for, oh. you know, like homeless people um, like here, they don't have like a place to go. They, most of the homeless people um, sleep in subway stations at nighttime and like um i mean the most support they have i mean there's like you know food handouts and everything but you know i know in the, in the winter time if it's like negative uh i don't know below a certain amount of degree like they will you you do have to call like a hotline and they will come and pick up that person for the night and put them somewhere but in general i don't think there's like that much support compared to vancouver so you and, know how like Vancouver has like the downtown east side and most of them migrate there. Is there something like that, like in your neighborhood that you've noticed or like they kind of keep to themselves at this side of the city or? Yeah, I mean, definitely there's like, you know, halfway houses that they kind of like gather to, uh, around and stuff like that. But I mean, it's definitely not like, you know, there's no open drug use. Um, you don't really see that. Uh, I don't think like the drug problem is as big as Vancouver. Um, but yeah, you don't like, you know, see needles at the park or anything like that. So I think that's one of Vancouver's biggest problems. Um, I think yeah. because um, the weather there is so mild. So like you can, yeah, you, know, you won't like freeze to death or anything like that. So yeah, I hear you for sure. It's, it's crazy to see like the different contrasts of quote unquote homeless and a drug addiction depending on where you are too, like how different or how aggressive it is in certain, in certain parts of the world. Yeah. It's like to hear your perspective. It's quite, it's interesting, right? Like we do have similarities, but at the same time, I don't know if it's like totally on the same level either. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Do you feel safe when you're walking like at night through the subway stations? Yeah. I mean, um, our subway is like 24 hours. I don't really ride it at like 1 a.m. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, um, well, I haven't rode the subway in like five months. But <laughs> so true. what you did. <laughs> um, but yeah, for like the most part, you don't like, you know, it's pretty like safe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, that's a great one, Jess. Uh, it's definitely top of mind all the time for me. So the fact that you're bringing it up and kind of bringing up some issues that have come from it it's 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 more i don't know validating is the right word but it just it's affirming that it's getting worse Uh, yeah well especially it never really bothered us on this side of where i live yeah even though we had a shelter like right across the street there'd be like certain weird things that happen and maybe some yelling at night but nothing like human feces i can't even imagine that (laughs) okay sorry (laughs) Another thing that's going on is they're they're releasing like bear bangers, which are like loud bombs that go off like all the time at night. Yeah, and that's like the signal when like a drug deal is happening. So that's another thing that I'm constantly being like. So I read that too. Um, sorry, why do they bear bang? And what's a bear bang? It's essentially like a loud, like it's a big gigantic firecracker that goes off to scare bears, right? Oh, got it. But I had to Google it. What they're what they're doing is they're taking those to and they're lighting them off, 
as a signal to say that there's like a drug dealer around. So go get your cracker, go get your fentanyl or whatever. What? Oh, it's not to yeah. scare them away? No, it's to... To bring them, lure like a, them. That's the sound. Yeah, to lure them. Yeah. That's oh, crazy. So. I didn't know that. So there's the fun fact for you of the day. Thank you. <laughs> I needed that in my life. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, I just have one little educational point that I want to go over, and then we could wrap it up with some sweets, okay? okay? Um, so a lot of buzz that's been going around is um, defunding the police, and it's a pretty buzzy phrase that's been going around. And yes. I just kind of want to talk about it and kind of make sure that everybody's clear on like what defunding the police means. So I find that when people hear defunding the police, they, they automatically think that it means getting rid of the police. But defunding the police really means just reducing the budgets um, and power on both a local level and provincial or a state level. And in re like reinvesting that money into into other uh, areas that people can need, like poor communities or areas that look to help and provide public services to those in need. So that's essentially what defunding the police means. Um, what does it look like? So like I said, you're taking that money that would normally go, poor, part of the money that normally goes to the police, and you're divesting and investing it into um, areas that are more, that are more of a disadvantage and they don't get a lot of um, support financially and usually those areas are communities of color so when you're right redirecting it um, you're also helping local grassroots groups or communities that are doing work in those areas and engaging with the people in those communities to also better those communities and make them more safe and make them more equal and give them more advantages to be on the same level as those more fortunate in addition to that defunding and reinvesting that also helps in implementing non-police solutions to social problems so this uh, ranges from like affordable housing, better healthcare, um, better employment opportunities for those who are less fortunate. And in turn, that results in less punitive uh, activities or people being arrested because you're giving them more opportunities to get a job, have access to healthcare, uh, be able to afford a house. Um, so you're kind of giving them more opportunities to join the society in a more level playing field. In addition to that, when you reinvest that money, you're also giving them more uh, opportunities to have their uh, mental health taken care of. So more counselors, for example, uh, more trauma services being offered, more anti-violence programs, as well as after-school pro programs for the kids. So why should we defund the police? Well, right now everybody's saying we need to just reform the police and change the way they're working. But changing the way they're working isn't really going to have a major effect on, on improving these lesser fortunate communities. So just to quote this article that I found off Instagram, they said policing reforms or procedural reforms are changes to police department protocols like implicit bias training, mindfulness, and police community encounters. These procedural changes cost cities millions and even billions of dollars, like in New York City. Um, Minneapolis was a model for a progressive policing reform, but those efforts have been ineffective in stopping police abuse. In the last 40 years, police power and jurisdictions have expanded massively, especially in poor communities of color. So we have clear examples of how reforming the police does not result in improving the community of color or communities that are less financially stable. So how about, uh, what does that mean for like our police then? Is that what you're getting to? Like the VPD? To kind of sum it up, police in general, when they were invented, they were pretty much invented to... To serve and protect. Yeah, to serve and protect. But the history of that was also to, to manage the slaves back then. So the history and the foundation of police is already flawed because their whole original purpose was to manage people of color. You know what I mean? And to keep them on a tight leash. So police should only be doing what their main goal is, which is, like you said, to serve and protect. They shouldn't be going into the into areas that don't really require them, like like dealing with drug addicts. Like they're not trained to do that. They're not they're trained to like help people in violent situations, but not to impose violence on people who as as a way to solve things. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so by taking those funds and focusing it on different areas where we can actually help people in different ways besides using the police, using violence, using incarceration as a way to solve things and solve problems is is a different way to approach it does that make sense yeah yeah so 
um, yeah, that's kind of like the gist of what defunding the police is all about is kind of like relooking at how we go about the police in general, what their main responsibilities are and why we need police to deal with certain situations. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's kind of like a really quick run through of what defunding the police is all about. Um, if you want to get involved with that or reach out, uh, there's some suggestions, which is demand that city councils and mayors, uh, kind of relook at and reprioritize the budgets that are meant for police. Um, reach out to your mayors to de-escalate the police forces. Um, also reach out to um, just the city and ask them what like the budget is and what the, the they're doing in regards to um, defunding the police and working at ways to change the way police go about um, dealing with certain situations in your community or in your city. So yeah, that's kind of defunding the police in a nutshell, a very quick nutshell. Yes, because there's a lot to unpack there too. I feel like, um, I don't know if the, the VPD really, uh, maybe the RCMP in like different cities, but like maybe not so much the VPD. Yeah. I don't know. What did your article, yeah. what did they, did they talk about that? Because I know with um, like the paramedics, there's an article that came out where they're like, don't defund the police. They're there to protect us when we have to take care of like a mental health issue, patient, or a situation. Like they're there to protect us. So they work together. Yeah, I think I think we really have to question like, what are we using the police for exactly? You know what I mean? Like, do we really need a police officer to deal with mental health issues? Can we use somebody else? Like, will a therapist help? Will a counselor help? Will a psychologist help? Like, um, like, do we have to resort to this brute enforcement, like this physical enforcement to deal with situations? You know what I mean? Are there other alternative, more peaceful approaches to dealing with that? Okay, yeah. Like, obviously, if they're violent, then, of course, like, there's there's solutions for that. But I think in this situation, it's a lot different because not every mental health call through 911 requires, like, a police officer being the shit out of somebody and then locking them up in jail. I know. Do you see that poor woman, that nursing student? It, someone had called one of those, like, wellness checks or something. Or her yeah, boyfriend. And she like stepped on her head. Yeah, what the? And that's that. Dragged her out of her room. Alona. Yeah, so just saying, like, I think we need to really relook, just like how we're relooking at everything, the police is another thing that we need to relook at in regards to how we're approaching it. Um, so, yeah. Also, a really um, interesting fact, I think, over here in America, like, people, uh, police are like retire, t- retiring and resigning at like a really rapid rate. So I think like morale is really down. Um, you know, they don't agree with like what's going on w- when it comes to the Black Lives yeah. Matter movement. Um, that's like pretty interesting to see. Like, yeah, like a lot of like police are resigning. From yeah, the I think, I mean, this is like a, many, many years of like having to kind of build, break apart and rebuild again. So I'm not surprised that like the police are kind of resigning and questioning what their purpose is now or you know, like what their, what the actual role is of police. So, I mean, like the police Mm -hmm. situation in America is definitely a lot worse. I feel like, like a lot of tension is being placed on that. So Mm -hmm. like, how do you feel? And like, do you feel, do you feel safe around police? Like what is the general morale there in New York city with police, the NYPD? Um, I think the general morale is they don't give a fuck about the police. (laughs) 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 All right. Um, like, yeah, I don't think they give a shit at all, um, like, about that. Because I think, I mean, there's just been, like, even since, like, George Floyd has, like, been murdered, like, I think there's just been, like, a few, a lot more people who have been, like, you know, Black lives that have been, like, killed. So, like, there's definitely, like, you know, they're comparing the riots to back when, um, you know, the Stone Stonewall riots when, right. like... Um, it was like really bad back then. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think people care about the police at this point. Um, I mean, like if something was happening, it's like hard. It's like, it's hard. Cause like if somebody broke into my house, I would call the police. Exactly. Know? Cause and that's so how with, like, the system is built. Yeah, exactly. So with like so many other people, but then at the same time, they're like protesting. Yeah, you know? for sure. So that's that it's kind of tricky. I would say. I hear you. I, like defunding the police is 
you know, a good uh, step towards um, um, like reform and like, you know, just like better, better things ahead. Definitely. So. I agree. I think it's just like, kind of, it all goes back to asking yourself, why is it the way it is and kind of questioning all those things. So yeah, I mean, I mean also, it's like, not going to be built in a day. The, you know, like policemen are, and women should not, you know, be exempt from the law. Like, like, you know, if you have done wrong on your job, you should go to jail regardless if you're a police person or not. Definitely. 100%. So I agree. I think like that needs to change. Um, and people like police, like policemen need to be like scared of going to jail if they think they're like invincible. Yeah. They're not about the law. There's no consequences than like just losing their job is not enough, you know? 100%. I agree. Fuck the police. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of, but not really. (laughs) We still need you. Uh, You know, the VPT, I think they've been doing pretty good. That's all I have to say. Yeah. From what I've witnessed, and I worked in nightclub, like I worked at clubs and I would see the craziness. I think they handle it pretty well. Yeah, there's good and bad to, I think, every situation. So I agree there are good things that I've seen them do, and there are also some really shady things that I've seen them do. So it really depends on the police officer as well. So Yeah, it's true. I did see shady shit too. Okay, yeah, they're not saints. But just thought I'd educate our listeners on what defunding the police was all about. It's not meaning we're getting rid of the police. It just means we're kind of relooking at what the police need in regards to financial budgets um, and looking at repurposing that money elsewhere where it could do a lot more. Better. Immediately, they, in like over here, they need to repurpose that um, towards like proper equipment for our frontline workers. Yeah, exactly. In the- I think they were saying something, they were comparing like, I think riot hmm. gear is, I don't know, like, hundred dollars or something like that compared to like the proper equipment um needed for like healthcare workers is like 20 yeah so i've seen those yeah. it's crazy and when you see, you see put in that perspective it kind of makes more sense in regards to what defunding the police is all about so exactly. for sure okay i know we went a bit over so i apologize <laughs> um shall we move on to some sweets yes the sweets okay. Emily, do you have some sweets oh, too? Uh, okay, we'll come to you last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jess, why don't you start with your sweet? Okay, so I have um, a few, I have three sweets. And I think, okay, okay one good. is the aquarium. They changed it up. Okay. So the I don't know if I talked about this in the last podcast that we went to the aquarium. No, I don't think yes. I did. I did? Okay. So or maybe you talk to me first. So they changed it up. So now the flow is different and you're outside and there's more space to do things other than what was it before? It was like, you had to go through the Amazon. So everyone would get stuck lining up to go there. Cause it's like one flow traffic. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's like way better now. Um, and everything is easy. Like me and Isa, we had so much room to just like walk around, stay in sections longer the way they have it set up now, it's it's amazing. Like, it feels like a private event. I like how they yeah. scattered the times. Like, you have to book it online, and then you see people cleaning constantly, uh, which is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, then we went to the water park afterwards, which is another, like, another recommendation. Because um, now they have it open. And I, because Stanley Park is still, like, they've closed one of the lanes... Um, to car traffic there's still like no one there so again Issa we didn't even we didn't come close to anyone and Issa just ran around freely uh, so that's what we're gonna I got one more and this is for everybody it's not Vancouver specific but um, tides-forecast.com so this one you can see when there's a low tide in your city um, and we've had the opportunity, like Issa and I, we've gone to Spanish banks and we went to see the tide pools and play in them. And it's just so much fun. 
So yeah, especially when the tides are really low like that. Super it's, low. It's like the beach goes for miles. Totally. And like these little pools have like animals or living things in them, like shrimp. We yeah. didn't see any fish or anything like that, but we saw some crabs, like little crabs and um, Fun. shrimp. So that's something um, I think you should do. Just go out there. I love those sweets. Yeah. Those are amazing. That's all. That's that's all the sweets I got right now. Cool. Um, Emily, do you want me to go next or do you want to go next? Um, I think I've got a couple of uh, something. Yeah. Um, All right, let's hear it. I mean, like I said before, I think uh, a lot more younger people are because of like, you know, how crazy, um, you know, Trump is. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, yeah, a lot more younger people are like, making a change and like voting and i think like they understand the power of voting now i know it's awesome to hear that yeah so i think people are like you know younger people are going out um and voting whereas they don't i don't think they cared before <laughs> so i think that's such a great um yeah thing. so you, you this is like old news now but remember when he had that rally in oklahoma his like um campaign manager i think it was is like oh my god like more than a million people booked and it was like a <laughs> bunch of kids like on TikTok had gone and like spread the word like go reserve seats at this rally Did yeah the k-pop stands the k-pop stands yeah <laughs> the, TikTok- the tiktokers yeah see like they're that was doing awesome. it in their own way right now to take yeah. to take the old people down <laughs> old white man it. down i know i love it go young people you're really annoying yeah, sometimes exactly. but sometimes you're okay yeah i agree awesome that's a great one do you have another one emily or was that it um i think you know through quarantine and the coronavirus i think a lot of people have kind of um i would say reconnected or maybe have gotten closer to their parents Um, Yeah, I agree. feel like a lot more um, people are appreciating their parents um, and like the older generation and like kind of puts into perspective that you could lose them, you know, and that's very real. So I think um, it's been nice. I mean, I've personally talked to my, um, have called my parents a little bit more during this time. And um, I hope like, yeah, a lot more people have too. So that's sweet. I like that one. one. I'm going to call my mom now. I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) Great sweets, Emily. I love those. Oh, thanks. Okay, so to finish it off, um, I have two sweets, one on a local, one on a more global level. Um, On the local level, Jess, you're going to love this. Vancouver Public Library branches are reopening Tuesday. What? My favorite place. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be my favorite place anymore, though. (laughs) (laughs) But who knows? We'll see what happens. But as of July 14th, Vancouver Public Library is going to start opening up their locations uh, and one of those locations is the one that we go to downtown <gasps> yay hey does that mean that the studios are going to open too uh yeah maybe or maybe not because of the whole covid situation i still read more into it but i just heard today on the news Sweet. that they will be opening as of tuesday okay so that's local and then on a global level i'd like to recommend a podcast that i listen to called unfictional which is a kcrw podcast And the episode that I heard recently was called The Rescue. And it's a really good, um, like, documentary uh, news podcast about just people's stories. And this one in particular was about um, a nanny who recently passed away. Her name is Fedelina Lucasan. Lucasan. Okay, yeah. And she came from the Philippines. And she was kind of sponsored to come and work in America through, like, her cousin or something like that yes as a nanny to kind of maintain the house but what ended up happening was the the sponsor her aunt or her cousin ended up treating her like a slave and it kind of breaks down how she was treated as a slave and how she escaped slavery essentially through her family but it was just a very touching story about how how family oriented and how dedicated the filipino culture is when it comes to blood so I highly recommend you listen to it if you have a chance. It's a really touching story. And, you know, it just, I don't know, something about it just really made me respect the Filipino culture a lot. So if you have an opportunity to listen to a podcast, it's the podcast name is Unfictional and the episode is called The Rescue. So please listen to it. Did it make you cry? 
Uh, teary-eyed, yeah. It was, it's, it's very touching. Did it have a good ending? Yes, a very okay, good ending. Okay, because I can't do anything with like a bad ending. I really, my, okay. my heart can't take it right now. <laughs> not, not now. Not okay. now, but yes, I want to, I want to listen to that one. It's, it's, it's an uplifting story. So okay. Just, yeah. All right, I guess that wraps up episode 41. Wow. Emily, I hope you had fun. I had so much fun. You guys are the best. No, you are. I'm sorry that we took a bit longer than what we originally planned. I hope your dinner is still available and warm for you to eat. Um, it's, it's probably, probably like not. Dinner. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well. So one thing, uh, check out Emily on Instagram at Chef Emily Yuen. Um, also, yeah. um, what's the Instagram handle? At Best Zone NYC. Yeah. And then um, just Google her. She's a third hit. It's like someone's <laughs> husband, something yeah. got married. And then Emily Ewan Chef. She's the third one when you type it in Google. It's And her last name is spelled Y-U-E-N. Oh, yeah. That's right. So Emily. And my address is. <laughs> <laughs> address and phone number, please. <laughs> and your SIN number while you're at it. So, yeah. Thank you so much, thank Emily. You, I Emily. hope. I hope you stay safe and stay healthy in New York City. And sexy, um, too. <laughs> yeah, stay sexy. <laughs> and hopefully we get to meet in person. We get to see each other either in Vancouver or New York City and get to taste all the lovely food that you create. Emily, can we have you see back you on again? Yes, I would love to come back on. Yay. Yay. Hurrah. On that note, sing us out. All right, here we go. Ah. That was episode 41. I hope you had tons of fun. Thank you to my friend Emily. She's all the way in NYC. You're cool and chill and super smart. And you smell like roses and stinky farts. That was really nice. Thanks. Um, all right. That was episode 41. Rate and review us on iTunes. Five stars only because we're sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at yellowpackaging604. And remember, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, wherever, whenever. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.